Space makers, if you're like me, you like to have an accessory that stands out. So for me, I like a big, bold earring. And that's why I love the work of my co-host. She has an incredible handmade jewelry line made from recycled and repurposed leather. We are all about repurposing, friends. Her work you can find on Instagram at thejshop.thej. J, just the letter, J. You can also find her work at etsy.com slash shop slash shop the J. And when you check out, use code MAKINGSPACEPOD for 15% off your purchase. I'm telling you, these are my favorite earrings and they're such a statement piece and people will be definitely making space for you in these. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making spaces for yourself and others, literally and figuratively. I am one of your co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is Josie. I'm Menace. I'm learning how to say your name well, I hope. How did you say it? I'm Menace. He Menace. He Menace. With a fake H. Fake H. That's right. J is H, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Oh, (laughs) no. Not an I before E moment. Well, it depends. My first name is Josephine in Spanish with a Y. Josephine. Yeah. Um, I do love, so we recently uh, had someone on our podcast, Trip Fuller, who, Dr. Trip Fuller, who is a theologian and just an incredible human. And he uh, came to your like defense on mm-hmm. um, Facebook because someone decided that their thoughts were really important about Basically, they called me a false prophet. That was fun. Uh, and they called you all kinds of things. So I love that Trip calls you Josephine. It's so powerful, right? It's like, what did he say? He was like, I don't like the way you talk to Josephine, so I'm not talking to you. And I was like, whoa, I Josephine. <laughs> She's got an official name. It's kind of like mm-hmm. my parents are adorable um, and supportive, and we love them. And when they send me mail, they always write Reverend Sarah Heath. That's so sick. Because you don't even use that. I do it on like Facebook posts for the podcast so people don't talk shit, you know? She knows what she's talking about. She has a degree, (laughs) friends. Um, I'm getting ready to do – I'm excited about this, and I this will be the first place I've said it. I'm doing a podcast, uh, another podcast. I'm not cheating on Josie. Josie started by cheating on me. So this is – Okay. (laughs) We're seeing other people um, podcastingly. But in a good way. Uh, so Josie's got a polyamorous way. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Josie, uh, what's your other podcast? Um, my other podcast is called Speak Called Speaking in Church. Um, it's about talking shit about the evangelical church and not talking shit about the evangelical church. My co-host Spencer Rose Taylor. She is a lot Which nicer is than a I am. Great name. I know she's like really kind and oh, she believes amazing. in change and I'm like burn it all down. So it's a really funny dynamic in that sense. And it's which, mostly about women in the church, right? Yeah. So speaking in church comes from that verse that everybody uses out of context. So they're like, women shouldn't speak in church. So, you know, we we're we're speaking in in and about the church. It's I can funny. do all three things through a Bible verse taken out of context. Oh, um, I so I am starting an irreverent podcast in some ways, although not really. It's a question and opinions podcast with your favorite aunt, Kevin. Uh, Kevin and I are going to be creating a podcast called Ask Your Aunties. And it's not, it'll drop in February. We literally haven't told anyone except for a couple of other creators and it, and uh, some of his fans know that he is doing a question and answer thing. So it's so fun. Basically we are your, like, we're your aunts that like, everyone has that weird aunt. That like you wouldn't ask questions to your parents, but you would ask these questions to that aunt. Mm. And I know in my life, I am that aunt because people ask me questions all the time. And we we like to like set up the visual of like you're at a holiday party or a family gathering. Your parents are in the other room and your aunt has had three drinks and she's got some opinions to share with you. Mm-hmm. So everything from theology to sex to all sorts of things, people ask both Kevin and I so many questions. So they and I have started a podcast. Um and it's it'll be really fun. And um, we're actually going – Josie doesn't know this, but we're going to ask her to come on as an honorary auntie. Um, oh, my gosh. My advice. I know. Imagine. It'll be so good. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, we're having all kinds of people uh, be aunties. Like some huge names, 
my parents hopefully were, are gonna say yes. Oh my gosh, that is the best thing I've heard in a long time. I know. If you don't, if you haven't experienced Bob and Chris Heath, they are Dr. Bob and Miss Chris are two of the most compelling and amazing humans who have no idea that they're the two of the most compelling and amazing humans. Like my friends want to hang out with my parents. Like a hundred percent. They're amazing. And they both big news have had their vaccinations. They sound like puppies. <laughs> um, they've been vaccinated. <laughs> they've been vaccinated. So that means that they're going to be coming to California in about a month to spend time. Praise so I'm excited. Jesus. I know I'm excited. Um, so this week, friend, how's it going for you? Um, TBH pain levels have been pretty bad, mm. but you know, say la vie, such as life. I've been generally productive. I've signed up as most of you know, um, if you don't skip the ad break, I make leather jewelry and I've signed up for a few fairs to go <gasps> sell leather jewelry in person. Oh, I'm proud of you. Yeah. So big big business move to go hang out at a table you know <laughs> hey look i it's funny because i do our commercial for your jewelry but i also wear your jewelry yeah, almost you every other day like yesterday i was i love josie's jewelry it's good shop the J. um so i earlier we had just started chatting and then my friend called and shared with me that he had had a dream that him and i were hanging out so he's like i just miss you let's chat and it's funny because I don't remember my dreams, but last night is one of the first times I remember my dreams. So I had started telling you about it, and I think that it'll make enough people laugh. I, as you know, it's gonna, uh, it's part of our story is that I am redoing an airstream to make space for. There's gonna be a podcast studio in there. It's gonna be great. Um, but in my dream, I was inside my podcast, inside my podcast, inside my airstream, and I was rocking back and forth, like showing people how it was unstable, and then it flipped. Look how unstable this is. Like, I know. Well, and I've done that. Like, I've had my friends in there and been like, oh, man, we got to – because one of the things about trailers is you have to make sure they're balanced, right? Um, so even when you're doing, like, construction on them, and people don't often think about this, but you have to make sure that, like, the weight of the things that you're building. Mm -hmm. So in my dream, we were rocking. I was rocking back and forth. I think you might have been in there with me, and I flipped. Yeah, you how were. How dare you? I flipped the trailer on us. Um <gasps> We were all fine, but we had to like all figure right. out how to crawl out. And then I was so mad because I worked so hard on popping the dents out. Yeah. Oh, and, my gosh, it's so funny. And then I had now I have all these new dents. And I was just standing there after we flipped it back around. I was standing there like Ugh. I was so frustrated. So if, if anyone uh, understands dreams or has like dream interpret, if you're Joseph, uh, and you would like to call on the amazing technical <laughs> dream and interpret my dream for me, that would be great. It's probably just a warning to remember weight distribution in your airstream. <laughs> God's gotten real practical with me. Yeah. Lady, watch your weight distribution. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fair. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. You ever, do you remember your dreams? No, I remember a lot of my childhood trauma dreams. <laughs> Like, one of them is, you know that scene in Harry Potter where the, the stairs change or whatever? Yes. It's being, like, caught in an endless loop there <sighs> until I finally reach the painting that opens up towards your dormitory. And she's like, where the fuck have you been? And then I go in there and I'm in my, my the porch of my old house. Is your mom the painting lady or is it just the painting lady? No, it's the painting lady. Yeah, it's pretty elaborate. And then... The other one is, this one's actually really traumatizing, and sometimes I still have it, and it really freaks me out. But it's, uh, I'm watching TV in my living room as a child, and in Mexico, they have these dancers that dance folklorico, which is like the skirt dancing. Yeah, so beautiful. And so I'm watching TV, and this news reporter is like standing in front, like reporting on them, but they're slowly like sinking in quicksand while dancing, <gasps> and they don't stop dancing, and nobody notices that they're sinking. <laughs> And so I'm just watching as a kid on TV as they, like, die. And, and no one is responding. No. <gasps> Interpret my dreams, Sarah. To me, that sounds like you were noticing a lot of things weren't okay and nobody was noticing. And you yeah. were still performing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah, that way. Like, still you're still performing even though everything is sinking 
everyone's acting like it's usual. Nobody's paying attention. And you're the one who's like, it's not working. That's mm-hmm. what I, that's what that one means to me. I had a childhood dream that I had recurring nightmares about. My house that I grew up in in Canada was the coolest house in that uh, our back wall of our bottom floor of our house was a like a rock. Oh, sick. Um, and then there was this wall, but it wasn't actually a wall. Everyone thought it was a wall, but you could open it and it was a storage thing. <gasps> and um, I had I had this dream that people broke into our house and I had to hide in that storage area, but I was always afraid. You know, it's like, are they going to figure out that this door opens? And um, I had that dream over and over again, even like 20 years after living in that house. Oh, hell no. That sounds pretty like a safe hiding spot, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was fun for like hide and seek until our friends all realized that if you went along a certain uh, like thing in the wall that you pop open the wall. And my that house was so flipping cool. And it's so sad because it's like not in a price range that I'll ever be able to afford that house. And my parents couldn't yeah. afford that house. now. <laughs> That's crazy. I feel like a serial killer built that house. Just like a casual fake wall. Ooh, that's scary to think about. Maybe. Well, I think about serial killers a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one who listens to all the serial killer podcasts, which is yep. super weird because knowing my personality like you do doesn't seem like it fits me. It's fascinating. It makes you feel better about yourself because at least you're not that bad. <laughs> well, for me, it's like listening to it is more like, okay, like what can I do to not be murdered? Well, that too. But also, I guess from a selfish perspective, I like to feel like I'm not the worst that humanity has to offer. Well, I'm also like fascinated in the people that like are around it. It's like the psychology of it for me. That's so fascinating. Amen. Um, Something else I was going to tell you. I woke up to my mom sending me a text that uh, the article that she read about Trevor Noah. So Trevor Noah and his girlfriend. Trevor Noah. How's a girlfriend? Oh, yeah. Serious girlfriend. Uh, they moved in together. I know. I thought he was single. Here was my hope. But they moved in together. She's my age, right? So I'm like, yay, because he's younger. Uh, and they moved in to a new house. And my mom, my mom, who is not someone who follows celebrities, just isn't. And my mom, who is not someone who, uh, like, believes in signs, writes, Trevor Noah and his girlfriend are moving in together. The person who wrote this article is Brad Heath and Sarah, someone. So she's like, Sarah Heath. And then she's like, so that's a sign. I was like, that I'm going to meet my Trevor Noah. And my mom was like, yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's nice. You're going to meet your Trevor Noah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to steal the girl from Troy's man. Let's be honest. She, she's, uh, she's from Troy, the movie Troy. Yeah. Yeah. She's beautiful. What the heck? She's gorgeous. Well, he's gorgeous and smart. And I feel like, she would be smart and funny. And he's funny. Yep. You know, I like a funny guy. And he has the best accent in the world. South African. Yeah. yeah. Sueto. Anyway, so that's how we're doing. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? Oh, before we get into this episode, I we did spend some time looking at our Maker's Box stuff. We've decided, yes, you will for sure be guaranteed to get a Maker's Box if you are on our Patreon. And how do they find that? Patreon.com slash Making Spaces Podcast. Yeah, if you are $25 a month or above, you will get a maker's box that has really, really cool stuff in it. Or if you are a Patreon at any level, it could be a dollar a month. Um, we are going to choose one Patreon a month uh, person to uh, give a box to. So Surprise box. Oh, I'm so excited. We'll, we'll be putting out images of what is in that. Um, yeah. Basically, I've always wanted to do a box i love sending i love curating that kind of stuff this is like so fun for me um so thank you to all of you who are our patreon folks we will be giving you um shout out soon um mm-hmm. all right so i'm really excited about this next interview oh we should explain too we're going to be taking a couple weeks off so that we can prepare for our next uh season We've got, so we do 20 episodes. Let me take a break. 20 episodes. Take a break. So this is our 40th. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, uh, 40 and flirty. Wait, that's me, not the show. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to take a couple weeks off, um, actually about three so that we can prep for next month. I mean, next season, but we're really excited because some really big people are coming on. I mean, we've had amazing people. So Let's just keep. 
getting better or the same or cool. They're all cool. They're all cool. So, and we're going to make some changes to um, some of the layout. It's going to be great. I'm excited. We're having dinner tonight. We're going to plan it. Uh, so we uh, got to talk to a friend of mine who from grad school, we went to Duke together, Lenicia Ross Tinsley. Uh, we've been following each other for years on Instagram. And I noticed probably about five years ago that her Instagram started becoming more artsy. And I really started to see uh, originally she was doing so much work with folks who were homeless and helping them to sort of create content and just beautiful work through trauma, through art. And in the process discovered that she herself was an artist and now has become a really well-known artist. And so this, and so was a pastor working with a homeless population in Houston, Texas, and uh, is a person of color and a bold voice. Uh, and it was so cool to see, but then to hear the story behind it, she's just such a powerhouse. Like she was doing great work, but, um, or good work, I would say. And then she chose to do great work. So any thoughts you have on this conversation before we hop in? I think it's, we've kind of talked about this, but I think it's really powerful to have a story that others can relate to. Um, and we talked about how people always feel like they're not creative, like they're not artsy, like they can't do whatever. And a lot of the stigma is if you're not great at it, you shouldn't do it. Right. Whereas my big passion in life is empowering people to just do the fucking thing. All right. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be Picasso to like watercoloring or like painting your backyard or you don't have to be one of the greats to find relief and peace through the arts, right? Like it could just be for yourself. You can knit, you don't have to monetize anything. It's everybody is creative no matter what they say. Everybody was created to create. And I think we've talked about how, I think you said this, that we are made in the image of a creator. So why yeah. wouldn't we create? Yeah. I feel closest to the creator when creating. So I mm -hmm. think that's the the idea. And I love that Lanicia still teaches workshops on how to do that for folks who are wondering that. But her advice and just her art journey and um, the, a lot of her work comes out of deep, deep pain, loss of a child. Um and I, she just inspires me to just do the thing. And I think, you know what you said, you don't have to be the great. I don't think we know if we're the great. And I don't think that's the point. Um, I love after we were done the conversation, we stuck around for an hour talking on Zoom. And one of the things is uh, she reminded me of my identity as an artist. Um, I haven't been known. I love when she was like, yeah, I remember you used to just play guitar and sing. And you were like, you did what? Um, yeah, there's so many parts of myself that uh, – because of external pressure and busyness, I've let go. And I'm, I'm loving getting to create this space with you as a podcaster, but also like, you know, even for the maker's box, the fact that we're going to use some of my art, um, I forget that I do art. So I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope it inspires you. Those of you who are skippers and are just chopping in, don't miss this conversation with Lenicia. For so long, Sarah, I cared a lot about what other people, more than, I shouldn't say I cared a lot, but I think I gave too much weight to what other people thought I should be doing. The shoulds, like the shoulds. And um, I don't use should in my vocabulary anymore. Um, and when we lost AJ and through my, with my therapist and just that healing process, um, a big part was letting go of the shoulds and living, allowing myself to be, like just to be. And so I stepped into it knowing that other people around me who did not, who are not intimately involved in my journey would fully understand and not really even caring. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is good. And it's draining, it's draining me. And I, I'm gonna choose life. Like I've got to choose life. And there's somebody else out there who this work will give them life. And they're probably being drained in something else right now. And I'm gonna open up a space for them to experience life or not. It may not, nobody may feel it, but I can't be concerned with that. Um, I know, like I just knew I need to step. And so um, I did. 
and it's been good, you know? Um, and I wake up every morning. It's hard, it's a magnificent struggle. Um, but when I wake up in the morning, I wanna get back to it. Hello and welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is... Josie Jimenez, the other co-host. Yes, and together we make up the team that hosts make... I don't know. I'm horrible at intros, but uh, this is a spot podcast about making spaces, uh, both literally and figuratively, um, whether you're a creative or you create... Um, emotional or spiritual space for people. This is that podcast today. I am overly excited um, to be able to host and talk with a friend of mine from seminary, from grad school. I don't want to tell you how many years ago uh, we went to grad school. It's it's painful. Uh, Lenizia Rouse Tinsley studied uh, in seminary with me, but she has become this incredible um, visual artist as well as workshop leader and as someone who's making spaces for um, people with their own creativity and bringing out different sides of them. So I am excited for all of you to meet her. So we're going to start with the, I like to call it the lob question. Um, <laughs> the, And I also need to just get over that right now, my co-host looks like a news anchor. Um, you look so professional today that I'm Throne, whereas I look like Cruella de Deville. So we're doing it. We're doing it today. Lenizia, welcome. And what is one of your favorite spaces and why? Yo, thanks for having me. Um, it's good to be with both of you. And yeah, I think anyone who knows me would say my favorite spaces are my studio, coffee shops, art museums, galleries, or any kind of public art. Um, I love murals and cities. However, I will say at this particular time um, and the season of life, my favorite space is the apartment that I'm in right now um, here in Richmond. We kind of made a move um, because my um, partner, my husband, got a job here in Richmond, Virginia. And I'm still based, my art practice is still based in Houston, but it was the first time in our partnership that we had a blank canvas um, for our home together. And so it's been so fun to create a space that we want to come home to, that is life-giving, that I cannot wait for COVID to be over for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I have been missing hosting people. And so having a new yeah. home space where we can host people um, that I, I love my studio and sometimes I can just, I can stay there for hours and my husband has to call Cleve, let's name him Cleve. <laughs> Cleve has to call me and be like, um, come home now, it's like, to home. Uh, but I feel like here, this home, this space that we have created together, it's gonna be so easy once I do make the transition to just like come home. Um, it's, it's just full of light, life, us, green things, all the green things. And I think by that corner, it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love my little corner. Yeah, it's good. It's home and it feels really good. And so grateful that we, we have this space together and that, um, and it feels honestly, Sarah and, um, Josie, right? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like. Um, a little bit of a coffee shop, like our favorite things about the coffee shop experience. We met in a coffee shop. We have a coffee shop romance. And Stop then we, it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. we even got married in a coffee shop. Like that's how much. So when I say people would say those are my favorite space, like coffee shops are my favorite spaces. It's so true. And I have been missing that space during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, so we have a little bit of our favorite things about that. And then the art that we are slowly but surely um, moving into our home. We have been giving a lot of attention to how we place it, um, the breathing room we allow around it, what art we are bringing in. And so, yeah, it's a little bit of all of our favorite things um, in one. So this is my place. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that idea even of being able to have a studio so that your space becomes like, it's like a, uh, making an area I think during the pandemic people have had a tough time like when does work stop um 
I actually had a meeting with my therapist yesterday and she, I just started with a new therapist, which by the way, guys is like a really awkward speed dating experience. If I'm honest, um, mm -hmm. she's great and I'm excited to work with her, but, uh, it just was like very, and she said, look, I need you to know that when you're doing therapy in your home, maybe you should light a candle, change where you're sitting, not be at work because you're going to want to be performative if you think you're working. So I think we are um, boundaries between work and life and um, self-care and all that because it's all happening in one space. Um, I love the idea of creating a separation between my, this is when I'm doing art. This is when I'm engaged in, in the work of the art. And this is when I'm home and I'm enjoying my spouse or my um, partner. I'm enjoying our, our life together and we're curating it together, which is so fun because I'm betting that he doesn't get a lot of say in what happens in the studio. No, he doesn't, <laughs> though he tries, you know, he'll come in and be like, uh, he's very orderly. So order, cleanliness and all that things, all of that matters to him. But my art, right, it's like layered. I take dirt from outside. I mean, I will have, until I host a workshop, you know, it's, it's, it's my creative brain out on my art table and in the space. And so he, he likes to stay away <laughs> from that. But uh, yeah, every now and then he'll come in and paint with me. So that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. Josie, does cute. Ryan wish you had a studio? Yes, I uh, actually recently changed up. So I would use, I make uh, leather jewelry. <laughs> as well as Prince art. I mean, she just does it all. Uh -huh. I do it well, all. Funny. I checked out your Instagram. I've seen your work. Yeah, it's oh, really. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like it. It's super fun. Thank you. Yeah. So I make leather jewelry, which is my current um, obsession in the sense that I spend hours doing the thing, you know, it's not, it's fun, but I would do it on the kitchen table, which drove him crazy because he grew up um very mormon and mormons are very like family oriented very, very mormon like, very mormon a touch and of so mormon he, yeah he's like i really like the idea of us sitting at the kitchen table and eating which is not mormon right but it's just like you know what his context is and i was like i just want to watch tv on the couch and eat on the couch because i was never allowed to do that growing up eating outside of the kitchen um, so I took over the kitchen table and he made a space on our really long desk. We have a computer desk. So he like moved everything around to have a little space on this desk for me to make leather jewelry, which is a lot less space than I'm used to. He's like, no, look, now we can have dinner together. And I was like, mm, fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Making space for each other. Mm. Yeah. And this is the first time we, in our marriage, we've had it a kitchen table like a dining table where we can eat at together and like that has been such a gift to like move away from the tv and sit and i love plating i i just like hosting you know and so the candles the plating the cooking and all of that stuff has been um yeah so much happens at the kitchen table so it's been great to have one mm -hmm. i don't have technically a kitchen table so um i'm you're currently in my living room slash dining room um because i turned my dining room space into my office and uh podcast studio but i live in california so normally you can just eat outside um and so i have a patio set that is a, a dining room table that folds out and it's big and the best part about it is the way that my uh, apartment slash condo is you come up the stairs and the first thing you see is my ginormous patio um, and so it's fun because hosting people has been such a big part of who I am as well and so to be able to like host people even like during the pandemic um, because they can be really far apart from each other um, I act like really far apart in California terms which is like not actually that far apart but you know, six feet. Um, and so I think it's interesting, the idea of having an actual dining room table, because I've started to do the thing without even realizing I was doing it where I'm taking my food, my meal when I'm alone and eating out on the patio, because I was eating in front of my computer constantly, which is just not good for our headspace, right? Like if everything happens in this tiny, you know, less than a couple of feet space, um, it just, it becomes where you're you're never giving your brain a, a break. And I think sometimes we have to make space in our own brains for creativity to happen. 
Lenisa, I would love for you to share if you're um, cool with it. How did you enter into art? Because when I met you, you were doing ministry. You want to give just a little bit of like a, not a, you don't have to give it in a resume form, but how did you move from <laughs> being someone who um, talked about the divine to someone who sort of brings out, like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so <clears throat> Yeah, we met in Diff School. I was in ministry for 15 years, um, just about. And my last position, I managed an art project with men and women who were living on the streets in downtown Houston. And art had always, like, music was a love. Like, I'd play the guitar, but a lot of it was done, um, like, in the quietness of my home, you know? Um, some of the music I did out loud, but it was always things I was exploring, parts of myself, but I almost suppressed them a bit because I, that wasn't my job, that wasn't my vocation, that wasn't my thing, but I had always hungered and longed to do that as the thing, right? But um, fearful, all the things, um, reasons why I didn't. But when I went to manage this art project, I literally told Rudy and Juanita, I was like, I'm not an artist. Why do you want me to manage a project? And they were like, that's not why we need you. You know, we need oh, you to do Rudy. something <laughs> I love him so much. He was like, we'll figure out the rest. And maybe they were able to see something that I couldn't see at the time. And so I went, and as I was directing this project, um, every now and then in the shelter, um, I'd be sitting there and in the studio with them and they would be teaching me things or I'd be tapping in and doing workshops with the artists in the program. And eventually um, the desire to do it just got so great. And I knew that I, um, it was the language that I wanted to speak. It was um, the way I wanted to offer myself to the world. And um, in 2013, I had a traumatic loss of a child and but when we realized I was pregnant, I began to do some real um, real work to become the mother that I wanted to be for her. So motherhood really changed me. Um, when she died and we lost her, the aloneness of my grief really just opened up the space for me to do some real healing and courage building and naming and visioning of what life needed to be like for me to live with the pain and the absence of her. Um, and her name is AJ. And so I just started dreaming out loud and naming the cleave, you know, I wanna get a studio downtown. I wanna make art. Um, ministry has been draining me for years. I'm constantly being depressed and having to pull away and then dive. And then I jump right back in. Um, I wanna make art. I want to be this artist that I have always longed to be. And so within a nine months period, it was not intentionally nine months, but it just so happened. Um, I got the studio. I started making the art. I started showing the work. I started selling the work. And then I wanted to be at the studio more than I wanted to be at my office at the church. And that's when I knew um, in September of 2014 that I needed to resign and go ahead and just full on leap into um, a life as a full-time artist. So I, I just love that. I love this. Um... We joke around it. So Rudy Rasmus is a pastor in um, Houston. Him and his wife are phenomenal. Um, Rudy, I don't even know how we became friends, but we always just encouraging me always. And I'm almost afraid because he almost has this sort of a like prophetic ability to be like, you need to be doing the thing. So you're like, don't that, I don't know. He's going to be on the podcast. We're excited. I mean, I even think about all that he's done during the pandemic to like feed people to like have Beyonce help sponsor things. He's like, this is how we're just going to do it. And if we're going to be a little bit superficial, him and his wife are the coolest looking people on the face. Of, I mean, just from his, his goatee to like, I want to be half as cool. They half are as cool. beautiful human beings, right? Like all around and just cool. Like Rudy and Juanita. Um, Juanita, cool. yeah. Her book's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... That's I'm nice. not surprised that they saw something in you that I think sometimes we forget that um, we have this beautiful power to see things in people that they don't see and name it and like ask them to risk trying something. Um, and that not, may not be the thing. I think the thing that we're learning as Josie and I talk to tons of space makers, whether they're designers or, you know, people who, you know, create ministry for folks, they 
oftentimes it's been someone else that's pointed out something in them and then they try it. And that may not be the thing they end up in, but being willing to like say the next yes has brought them to something more. And I, you know, there are some people who like do it on their own. And I think that's amazing, but how often our community are the one who see this gifting in us that we don't even see, and we're not even ready to, to step into. So I think last week we, our Bishop uh, spoke to our denomination about this idea of like, if you see something in someone else, name it, name it, name it. Like we just assume they know. Um, and I just love that idea. Like you've got to name the thing. Name the thing. And that is a gifting that they have. And um, it's something I get to carry with me too, just the importance of, of seeing well and naming and then just letting it go, right? And not trying to control the narrative of other people, um, but just allowing people to go on their own. And they, they, along with other people in my community have been such supporters and encouragers in, in this new, new thing that I'm living. Yeah. So. Well, you're, it's incredible. So when you do a workshop with people, how are you helping them sort of tap into something? Is it people who have had the experience of doing art before as a way of processing through things? Or are you usually working with like newbies? Yeah, everybody, honestly. Um, I, you know, you, you mentioned, so um, Tina Knowles, I heard her one time she spoke at something related to St. John's and um, she talked about making space for art to happen. And I've just carried that with me um, in my work and the importance of making space for people to tap into their creativity, um, providing the techniques, I mean, teaching, sharing my techniques, providing the tools, but then getting out of the way and allowing their own individual creativity to um, take shape and form. And so, when I do that, then it makes room for people from all like skill levels and places of curiosity and on their journeys to create, right? And so I, f I see that as my job with um, workshopping is to set the table, to provide the tools and just make space for, for art to happen. Yeah. I love the idea of the table setting. I know 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has been filled with trauma. And you shared a bit that your story comes out of trauma, right? So you experienced a great loss and then your response um, was a, I would say an opening, uh, like a something in you opened up that was painful and raw. And I think many people can relate to that. How have you seen sort of the position of art during this time? What have you noticed in your community of artists or even um, both losses and gains during this time, if you don't mind kind of? Yeah, well, um, it's been a spectrum, right? Like I've had some artist friends, colleagues who have really struggled to create um, during this time, um, had to pause for a while and um, do some other work in order to get back to, to the making. Uh, for me, it's been really good to be planted. Um, I, I shared that I love cities and I really love to travel. And part of my studio practice has been um, a lot of workshopping and leading things um, that in other cities that require me to jump on a plane and then come home. But with the pandemic, like, all of that froze and stopped, right? Oh, and I I, yeah, and all the coffee shop meetings, right? Like where you, I love them, but you know, like they add up in time and then Houston is a driving city and all that jazz. And so it was such, gosh, I just live in the tension of the great loss and the pain of last year um, and the way that it provided some opening and possibilities as well. Um, I think for us all and creatively for me, it's been really good to, to be planted and allow ideas to really develop and to play, you know, like there's space, like I'm not, when I'm in the studio, it's not like, okay, I need to do this work because I'm about to travel again and I have a deadline, but there's been room for me to like really play and do things that I don't necessarily have to share with the world, but I can follow my curiosity and learn through the process. And so it's been a fertile time, I think, for me creatively. 
Um, and it's been a good space to, um, to just be honest about what I'm feeling. And I'm seeing that with a number of my colleagues as well that art um, at this time with the pace that we're in has been the, the space of like, they've been able to see well what's going on, like paying attention to what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in themselves personally, and then having the gift of their practice to, to wrestle with those questions and those, the things that they see and um, create. Um, and it's, I think it's been a gift for us all, you know, like during the pandemic, the Alvin Ailey Dance Company, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they're doing these, like dance has been such a gift for me. I mean, and I, I named them, but there's also this little kid and I can't think of his name. My sister sends his Instagram all the time, but he loves to dance and his mom and dad like film these things to share with us. And just even that, seeing the ways in which we have been creative about um, making space for each other, about um, sharing our lives together in ways that kind of give some joy and delight and hope and um, even belonging in the midst of this isolation. Um, that creativity has been really beautiful, I think, to see. Um, I know for me it has. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting even that you mentioned Alvin Ali because that is a, um, it is an all black dance troupe. Um, and when I was in grad school with Lenisia, I danced on an all black dance troupe because our friend Halima forgot to tell me that it was an all black dance troupe when I auditioned. Uh, but she danced with them. Um, when they came to town, they would, uh, did you know that? No. Yeah, she, uh, uh, they held open auditions for locals to participate in one of their touring shows that they did. So like weeks and months before they would come and do a show, they would have local dancers audition, right? And so that was my first exposure to the company. And they come out of a painful, like express, use your body to express the pain, almost like work it out. They're like, I think about, so I danced with Halima for so long and some of the stuff we did was difficult, but she's just a strong dancer, but she would come with these blisters and like her body would hurt so bad because what they do is some of the most beautiful, but oh, the strength it takes. And it kind of, it, it really, that art it, and what's happening in the world and what they've experienced. And like this, I, it's just so, it's like a embodiment of something so deep and beautiful. I can watch them, but then I have, I watch them and I just go, I'm so out of shape. <laughs> They're incredible <laughs> and strong. And I'm like, I would fall. I can barely hold a downward dog <laughs> at this point. Like, what are you people doing with your lives? What am I not doing with my life? I tried to convince Josie to do yoga yesterday, but she's got a nerve uh, issue that means that she can't do a lot of this stuff. So I, I find this expression, this use of body to be so inspiring. Oh my gosh. I mean, and poetry too is something that's very much a part of my practice, my own centering practice and the work that I do. Um, and last year I sat with um, Alice Walker's poetry collection, um, Hard Times Requires Furious Dancing. And um, she touches on that a lot about um, the embodiment um, and what we are carrying and how we work that out through our bodies. and. Um, I definitely see that in the work of Alvin Ailey, but um, company. But I think too, like, like you said, like with my own trauma and just what people, how art can provide the space for us to to release, you know, and not hold in and to to let out um, some of the things that we can, if we're not careful, like store up and they can fester and eat at us, right? Um, that it's the space of just a space of release, and so. It's definitely been that for me. And I have appreciated the opportunity to engage other art forms during this time. Um, the virtual world has provided that kind of space for us. And it's not the way um, I think any of us really would want to engage the arts. You know, I cannot wait to go back to a live concert and um, theater and all those things. Uh, but I've, it's been a gift, I think, to be able to still um, engage the arts in that way so yeah seeing you in a yeah, gallery I love this has idea of go sorry just oh, yeah. um I love this idea of taking the pandemic as a blessing as an artist um and kind of not pressuring yourself into doing something when it's not like the natural thing to do 
because I um poetry is also part of my artistic uh practice but I have not written very much poetry at all usually I have these like this collection of full journals in my living room and I can usually fill up a journal in a month or two uh three months if it's a slow period of time um but I haven't filled up a single one all the way through and (laughs) I've kind of allowed myself that space especially as somebody who went to art school um giving into like the kitsch Etsy world is so taboo when you go to art school it's like wow you're such a sellout selling jewelry or whatever but I've kind of given that I've shoved that all out of my brain during the pandemic because it's like this is what feels good to me right now to be creative in a way that's not so um emotional because art can be very emotional at least for me and yeah making leather jewelry has been a huge blessing because it keeps me going it keeps up the creative brain it keeps like the muscle working but it's not fatiguing me it's not making me feel like I'm producing for the sake of producing it's just this is the fun thing to do right now and it's creative and if I'm a sellout well then fuck it you said psychologist I can't think of the name but that talks about creative flow, right? And just the gifts, like we can get into these zones that sometimes um, the needle point making where we're following a pattern and not having, like, you, like you're saying, like the emotional, like having to wrestle and deal with all these things, but just following a pattern or playing with color. When um, we initially lost AJ, I could not sleep at night, but I would get watercolor paints and just, there's something about playing with the color and water and I wasn't making anything they, that we even hang on our walls now they're in a box you know but it was something about just tapping into that part of ourselves, um, that creative part of ourselves and that the repetitive motion and just the play and all of that that was deeply cathartic for me and like healing and didn't require um yeah that's and it, it's it's good I think it's good it's all good that's how I, I have goosebumps. I feel like we talk about that. We- yeah. Because so often yeah. we um, treat it like a discipline. Um, that's something like you have to, it, you have to, the struggle of art, the war of art, which is great. It's a great book, but um, the struggle of art, the war, like you have to be just, I didn't make the connection that you were doing less emotional art until now, but it's an emotional time. So to add to that, um, doesn't allow for you to be where you are in it. Um, and I just think that, that it's a wonderful thing to say to people like, Hey, you, right now you don't have to be making your, you know, big statement piece. You know, what if right now it is just, Hey, I want to keep flexing these muscles of creativity. What really excites me. Um, and I don't, maybe not even what really excites me, but what really gives me a sense of calm or peace is to do something, like you said, follow a pattern, get something done. I think that the, like in this time there, I don't know, I, I'll do something and I'll go, I just did the laundry (laughs) and I live alone. So there's no one to celebrate it with me, but I'm like, look at me doing laundry. Like you just have to almost see different things as like a, a resistance to this I think you named it earlier, that depression you feel when you're in a place that you're, you're not meant to be. And I don't want to glaze over even what you said earlier, where you recognize that like, I'm doing really good work and it's not the work I'm supposed to be doing. And I think there comes a rub there where some people then just keep pressing into it harder because, um, we were taught discipline, just keep, okay, everything, not every job, you know, every job has things you don't like. Well, if you keep hitting this wall where there's depression and you're almost outside of yourself and you know you're doing good work how did you give yourself permission to move from that space I mean I feel like it's such a incredible thing to go yeah this isn't the thing it's a beautiful thing I mean from the outside so many people must have been saying like you're doing art with those who are experiencing homelessness like how much more beautiful work can you do and it feels hard especially stepping out of ministry um, to feel that sense of, no, this is my, this is my, how did you do that? Can you share that a little bit? Yeah, I think for so long, Sarah, I cared a lot about what other people more than, I shouldn't say I cared a lot, but I think I 
gave too much weight to what other people thought I should be doing. The shoulds, like the shoulds. And um, I don't use should in my vocabulary anymore. Um, and when we lost AJ and through my, with my therapist and just that healing process, um, a big part was letting go of the shoulds and living, allowing myself to be, like just mm. to be. And so I stepped into it knowing that other people around me who did not, who are not intimately involved in my journey would fully understand and not really even caring. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is good. And it's draining, it's draining me. And I, I'm gonna choose life. Like I've got to choose life. And there's somebody else out there who this work will give them life. And they're probably being drained in something else right now. And I'm gonna open up a space for them to experience life or not. It may not, nobody may feel it, but I can't be concerned with that. Um, I know, like, I just knew I needed to step. And so um, I did, and it's been good, you know? Um, and I wake up every morning. It's hard, it's a magnificent struggle. Um, but when I wake up in the morning, I wanna get back to it, you know? Um, and I, yeah, and all of the work that I've done in the past has helped to make the person that I am today. And I carry everything with me. So even the workshop part of my practice is because the work that I did at the art project. And I saw how bringing people to an art table could make space for, for healing, for discovery, for curiosity fostering, for beauty, right? Um, how it can make space for connection and community. And I knew that that's how I began to reclaim my artist's identity and get the courage to do what I needed to do. Um, and so I knew in my practice, like I workshop making, hosting this table is an important part of carrying what I gained there into the work that I do. Um, and so, yeah, I just stepped, I stepped into what I felt that was, was true for me, right? Um, and can, couldn't really be concerned with how wacky, even to my parents, it sounded. <laughs> you know, because they just were like, what? They, if I told them I was going to move to Nashville and start writing songs and playing the guitar again and try to start there, they'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But painting, and my dad came to my studio for the first time last year. And when he walked in, his eyes got so big. And he said, your grandfather, who was a pastor, um, he was like, he would have loved this. He would have loved to have seen you in this space and see what flowed out of you. And that was like, yeah, you know? Um, and so- It's like, you can't be working for that. You can't be working for the approval of your ancestors, nope. but in some way then to know once you've stepped in that your ancestors are going, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't, you can't, at least I couldn't. That was, a, that cannot be a part um, because it would, I would have just, yeah, continued in a cycle of not truly listening to my inner voice that was saying, like, say yes, don't fear, like move, you know, mm. and like, and so, yeah, it's been good. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I had a therapist one time say, you sit on a pile of shoulds, because I would like say, here's what my heart loves, da, 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 but I should. And he just was like, you are just shooting all over yourself, kid. <laughs> He's like, you are sitting on a pile of should. And I was just like, mm, you're not wrong. Uh, and one of the expressions that's interesting, and I've loved following you um, for years, but I um, intuitively, for whatever reason, I couldn't think of something to do for Lent a couple of years in my last position I was doing. And I, um, I've always done visual art. That was a big part of my high school experience. Um, and I love also doing and so I led a class in praying through the arts and so I had every week I would just create space in the sanctuary that I had and I just put out tables and we would read scripture we do like Lexio Divina but um in a way that like allowed people to react artistically at first like engineers go up because like their wives were like hey we're gonna do this and they would come or like people that just they would all the time say well i'm not an artist but i'm just gonna be here like no one gets to look at this right yeah no we're not putting these on the wall it's not like your pastor doing the bait and switch where we're like we're gonna do something and then you put it up and make a big point about it it was like no 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 this is for you this is what we're gonna do and every time someone would say am i doing it right 
So the first week you just say like, no, no, just because you're doing it, you're doing it right. And it was so life-giving for me to watch people understand that there is no, it's saying yes, right? It's saying yes. And I recently was um, dropping something off at someone's home and I went into the bathroom and this person claims to not be creative, but they really, really are. And there was this art piece we made, they made seven years ago, maybe in a art class. And they, it just had this word on it. And it was, and this was something that when they originally were making it, they said, this isn't very good. And they have it up in their brand. They've moved. This is their brand new home. There's something about that piece that was made out of Lent, out of a conversation about grief that they love so much. They have it in their primary bathroom in, you know, and we all put nice things in our bathroom, um, primary bathroom in their home. And I think, wow, there is something that we don't even know when we say yes, what we're saying yes to and how it's allowing other people to find their yeses. So I love that you let go of your shoulds because we are so, uh, as women of faith, or if you grew up in the faith tradition, like it's so easy to fall back into just what do other people need me to be about? What should I do? I mean, my therapist told me my first year of my small business to say no more than I said yes. And I was like, what? And like would hold me accountable, uh, but helping me. And she was like, really say no to the things that you even probably could say yes to, to practice being able to say no and really truly discerning um, what you want to say yes to, you know, and not doing it out of obligations or the shoulds, you know. Um, and that was so liberating for me, you know, to be able to do that. And as you were talking to, I was just thinking about how art and when we allow space for that, yes, right, for people to say that and to, to really confront the things that I think hinders us from fully living into our identity, you know, and embracing our creative selves. Like, I truly believe all of us are creative. Um, how we use that creativity, you know, either for good things or destruction that's, you know, um, can be talked about, but we all are creative and that there's transformative power when we can tap into that and in the things that we make and that we, and when we engage um, what other humans or what we even create, there's, there can be so much power um, in that. And so that, I love hearing that their artwork is on their bathroom wall. That's great. <laughs> I think that's like the great fallacy of the American public school system is teaching kids that they have to choose a lane and that, you know, accepting STEM versus STEAM and the arts aren't as important. They're the first thing that are cut. As somebody who did a lot of the arts in high school, I did um marching band and choir that I got kicked out of. <laughs> <laughs> And Why not, is that knowing... not a surprise. <laughs> I know, and I know it's a story, and I want to know it, but we won't. We won't digress. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> the yeah. basic gist of the story is that I was in marching band, and I knew how to read music, and another choir kids did, and everybody was jealous, and whatever. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, but I never knew that I was a visual artist until college. I went to college as a business major, and. I picked up a camera. Whoa, stop. Wait, <laughs> what? How long have I known you? You were a business major? Yeah, I went all the way through accounting and then I was like, mm, I don't like accounting. <laughs> and not to say accounting was pretty easy, like the first level of class that I took, but I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> I do not appreciate this. So I double in college, I double majored in, I ended up double majoring in journalism and art. Um, but it was in journalism that I discovered that I loved photography, which I should have known. I've taken pictures. If you look through all the Facebook albums that are locked on my Facebook for only me to see, they're all like these really obscure images from like all these little trips that I would take with my family. And I was always capturing moments and feelings. And, and I should have known since the start that, you know, I was an artist um, at, you know, I, I needed to known. Yeah, known. So, you know, I feel like we just need to teach people since continue the kindergarten education and teach people that you're creative. You can do this. Even if you're not the next Picasso, 
you can still express yourself creatively for the sake of expressing yourself creatively and helping, you know, yourself process and emote in healthy ways. Because a lot of times you see these people who don't know how to process their feelings and maybe they would be able to do so if they just drew a little picture. Word. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Maybe if you just, we should have said that to the rioters yesterday. You should just draw a little picture and you'll draw feel a much pic. better. I think though there is something to be said about um, we're tapping into something that I think is true that we have made a hierarchy where some forms of schooling is more important and some is less important and some is more valuable in society and some is more um, devalued. And when we do that, then people don't feel like they can live out of their, even if they're like naturally talented, they, they feel like they can't live out of it. And to celebrate, um, kind of all of it and see all of it as a genius, a form of genius um, is we're really missing out. And I, I, that's why I love the idea of workshopping because people discover things about themselves. So I am so grateful that you are doing this work, Lenicia. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And, you know, and during the pandemic, have y'all noticed how people have been like leaning into like new crafts or new, new loves and mm-hmm. Yeah, like plants even, like learning and caring for plants or, yeah, yeah, yeah. little planties. Or taking these online classes that probably if they hadn't had a pause, right, Mm -hmm. they may never have um, mustered up the courage or just had the space even to say, yeah, I'm going to try this and just see. Um, So it's been cool to kind of, yeah. I'm going to try this and just see. That is... uh an incredible way to look at it. Instead of, I'm going to perfect this. I'm going to get great at this. American culture has taught us, um, you know, I'm going to get really good at this. I think about, I joked earlier about yoga. I actually been doing yoga for so long and I love it, but I take, I do online yoga with this um, teacher, Adrian. Um, yoga with Adrian, everyone and their mom has tried it at least once. And I love her because she has the whole mentality of, yeah, if you can't do this, that's fine. <laughs> just sort of like that doesn't. And she will constantly say, "You showed up today, even if you just showed up and you were in the child's pose the whole time. You were here to be." We spend so many days not being here, and mm. like I love that idea of like, okay, I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna show up, and whatever will be will be, and it's the thing that was meant to be. And um, this is what this is what it is today. Um, I love. I love, love, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Lenisa. Where can folks find you? Sure, so on most of all the social media platforms, um, I'm Lar, L-A-R, Art Studio. And then my website is larartphotography.com. Yeah, <laughs> photography. Okay, and then the last question we have for you, if you're ready, is, and it's not that difficult okay. of a question, but some tangible thing that someone do today to make them like space for themselves or others and you can take it in whatever way you want to take making space what's one thing someone could do today to make space for themselves or others okay so i think i will offer a practice um it's called like the the prayer of examine or examine where at the end of the day you take time to really reflect on your day and just ask, I always invite people to ask two questions. What drained me today? Just name that, be honest with yourself. And then um, ask yourself, what gave me life? And and that question too, most people are like, what do you mean give it gave me life? Well, I mean like, what, what made you feel alive today? What gave you delight and joy today? What fostered growth for you today? Um, name those things and then do some work and planning of making space for more of the things that give you life um, and then less of the things that drain you, you know? And we have some control sometimes in in those things or maybe just listen to that because that may be um, some signals that you may need to say yes to something else and let go of some things. But I, I think that's what I would encourage. Um, people to do and we can think about that in relations to like the things we do or how we are in the world and our relationships 
even, you know, those two examine questions can help us be better siblings and neighbors and friends and lovers and all of those things, just to ask those two simple questions or, yeah. So that's hey. what I would suggest. Those are, that's amazing suggestion. Well, you can find us at online at anything really on any social media, Making Spaces um, podcast, Making Spaces podcast on Instagram. You can find Josie at Josie Takes the World. You can find me at Rev Sarah Heath on most things. You can find us at our website, which is makingspacespodcast.com. Josie. Uh, Josie. Do you have anything you want to add? Did I forget anything? Uh, just head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash making spaces podcast and give us some money. We'll give you some cool <laughs> stuff in return. Thank you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we will see you next week where we will be saving a space for you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having us.